The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Right now on Fast, dollar doldrums. The greenback marking its biggest drop since March 2020 this week. And the chart master sending us a big warning signal for what it may mean for the rest of the market. Plus, a semi-surge. Chip stocks have roared back to life in the past month, with the SMH Semiconductor ETF up more than 30% from its October lows. So is this a sign that the sector has truly hit a bottom? And even in a strong week for markets, one stock's move really stood out. How this stock jumped nearly 25% in just five days, and where it's going from here. I'm Sarah Eisen. In tonight for Melissa Lee, this is Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of rainy and dark Times Square. On the news desk tonight, we've got Courtney Garcia, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, and Jeff Mills. Welcome, everyone. We're going to start with the market. Seeing, keeping up the momentum that we saw after yesterday's monster rally, the NASDAQ jumping nearly 2% to end the week, the S&P 500 briefly coming back above the 4,000 mark, and even the Dow, which spent most of the day in the red, managed to eke out a gain. The major indices all posting solid gains for the week, with the NASDAQ up more than 8% since Monday, best week since March. But one of our traders says, not so fast. Things may not be as good as they seem. Tim, that would be you. What warning signs are you seeing under the surface here? Quite a rally. I hate to be Timmy Downer here and welcome, Sarah. But I I, I would just point to some some obvious things that, that start out with, look, the wall of worry is for the market to go higher. We know where positioning was. We know where cash levels were and we know where sentiment has been. So uh, but but, you know, that inflationary number, again, down three tenths of a percent on core from 40 year highs because uh, of used car prices and a new calculation for for health care doesn't take the Fed out of play. And I, and I, I recognize what it means in terms of relative change and what that has all been. When I look at earnings revisions, we've only just started to go. Uh, FactSet told us, I think, you know, a week or so ago that fourth quarter revisions are now negative after having been 9% in June for fourth quarter. So I think a lot of that's still to come. I would point to rates. I would point that the terminal rate for Fed funds is, is actually, if anything, it's moving out uh, into 23. So I think we have more ahead of us. And I, I just think that uh, you, ne- you named it. Some of those numbers, uh, a 31% move, and we're going to talk about semis in the next block it is is extraordinary 46 percent in nvidia for example i just think there's uh, an environment here where we've seen a lot of these moves before and, and the reality is that the market was expecting a hot number yesterday they got a less than hot number and, and we know the rest so uh not so fast the best thing that happened this week and i can't wait to hear carter talk about the dollar is the Me dollar's neither. turn Exactly. 4% down move. Do not see that every week. Courtney, you disagree, though, with Tim. You're, you're buying this, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I would say I half agree with Tim here, where um, realistically, I do think it's, it's very positive what we saw in the inflation data this week. But I have to agree, it doesn't necessarily mean inflation is over. 
And so what we want to look at is a lot of your like longer duration, higher, um, like your tech assets, for example, you're seeing this rotation back into those right now because people are hopeful that inflation is behind us. It's not behind us. We're still going to be in a higher inflation environment. Although it's coming down, it's not going to be at the rates it was previously. So although I'm optimistic on the markets, you still want to focus on things like your value companies over your growth. I would not say get too excited. Don't jump into your tech right away. But that's not what happened this week. I mean, we see inflation start to come down and the, the urge is to get back into tech, to get back into the most shorted stocks, to get back into the mm-hmm. pandemic, everything that's gotten crushed this year. And that's happened earlier in the year, right? I mean, those are the things that have fallen the hardest, so they're going to come back up. But I see that as maybe a shorter term bounce that aren't necessarily going to last as we look over the longer run here. Grasso, what about you? Yeah, so everything hinges on the dollar and everything hinges on Powell. So to the extent that Powell doesn't upset this rally, this rally can last into year end. And you have seasonality on your side as well. You don't have earnings to get in the way. You don't have really a lot of headlines anymore, Sarah, to get in your way, at least for the next month and a half. And I think that's the only thing we should be focused on. So I think the rally continues. Look at commodities. Lumber right around the 52-week low. Corn, uh, right around the 52-week low. Cotton, coffee, you name the commodity, it's lower than it's peaked. I think inflation has peaked, but that really doesn't matter because if Powell comes out and says, we want to crush demand, then he's going to crush demand and the market will go lower. But I don't want to say it's all clear, so I... I don't think anybody expects him to pause or to or to stop with the with the rate hikes or the hawkish rhetoric. But if inflation is coming down and this really is the beginning of a trend, then the market expects the Fed to slow the pace of interest rate hikes. They don't want to crush the economy. They want a softer landing. And this makes it more likely that they do that, doesn't it? Well, he well, he did say that he wanted to crush demand. Those aren't my words. Those are his. So they 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 had to kill demand. (laughs) And I don't know if this would be killing demand just yet. We haven't really seen the jobs market be crushed just yet. So, and then go back to the other, the other number, Sarah, that we haven't seen a Fed stop raising rates until the Fed funds rate is higher than the rate of inflation. So we, we've got some, way to, some ways to go there. So I don't, I don't see a soft landing. I do see a rally into year-end, aggressive rally into year-end. What about you, Jeff? Not so fast with Tim, or are you more hopeful? <laughs> so I'm with, I'm with Grasso in that I think we can rally into year-end, but I'm also with Tim in the sense that I don't think we've actually seen the bottom for this cycle. And I think you can keep those things very separate in your own mind. I saw you talking to Chris Verone earlier today. He's been pointing some of these things out from a technical perspective, um, but things have changed a little bit here. So it's the second 90% up day since the October lows. We haven't seen that kind of momentum. 64% of stocks yesterday had a two standard deviation move to the upside. That's the first time that we've seen that the entire year. And I've been pointing to that figure as something that's been missing in terms of that momentum spark. So that's a change. And I think you have to respect that near term. Uh, Look, breadth is also better than what we saw at the highs in August. You only had about 51% of stocks above the 200-day moving average in August. Now we're still 10% below those levels, but we have 53% above. So still not great, but again, better than what we saw before. So I think it clearly brings the 200-day moving average into play. I think it probably Mm -hmm. brings in the August highs as well. But as soon as people start to realize that inflation is falling because demand is a problem, it's already a problem given what the Fed has done, I think the market's going to reverse course 
Look at consumer confidence today. Uh, we have a growth problem, and I think that's what's going to win out ultimately as we move into next year. And just to be clear, 200 day is what, around 4,100 on the S&P? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, right around there. So, so the two standard deviation move, I've, I've heard every argument yeah. today. That's unhealthy. That's classic bear market behavior. But, but you sound like you're saying it's actually quite bullish, right, that it could be more, more a sign of a bottoming process, at least in the near term. I think if you go back and look at history, off of lows, you know, rallies that are sustainable, you typically see multiple days where you have stocks, you know, 50%, 60%, 70% of stocks making daily advances of two standard deviations or more. So I understand the knee-jerk reaction to say, this is unhealthy, the market's kind of flailing around. I don't necessarily disagree with certain pockets. I mean, look at ARC up 22% in two days. You know, I, I don't know that, that's probably too fast. Um, but if you go back and look at history, it's actually a reasonably good technical sign. So, so Courtney, you're buying more the cyclical groups and what did you say industrials yeah we're looking at things like tech. even healthcare was one of your worst performers today i would actually start to look at some of that as an opportunity i don't think this is going to be a big shift where suddenly self healthcare is underperforming and tech is overperforming I think your healthcare is your energies. I think those are, are things you want to continue to be in. We still own your tech, that being said, but I'm not overweighting it. I'm not actively trying to chase that area right now. I just think we're going to continue to be in this, this area where they're going to continue to be under pressure because rates are still going to be higher. Tim, what about your, your exposure? So if you, if you don't love the market move, would you, would you rotate away from the rotation this week back into stocks like healthcare or consumer staples or utilities, which did underperform this week? So I, I, pharma, for sure, this pullback in pharma stocks is, is something to be bought. And remember, you, you've had massive breakouts in your Mercs and even your J&Js. And I, I think it's why uh, clearly underperformance. And I get asset allocation over the last couple of days. Uh, emerging markets work if the dollar continues to weaken. And I, I do think there are uh, more risk on trades that you can allocate to. Commodities have been discussed. We know the correlation between the dollar and, and commodities. We see what resource stocks have done, even in a weaker demand environment. So, um, But I, I don't think you get terribly far away from the things that were working. Consumer staples, actually, over the last two months, Jeff and I were talking about this uh, on our midday call, um, haven't really given you the kind of defenses you've wanted after they did for the first kind of you know two-thirds of, of the move to this point. I actually think staples will be defensive. There's nothing good about those valuations. But it, it's. I, I also just think that rates have pulled back too much too fast. I, I think uh, those allocators, and especially those towards the fixed income into credit uh, and high-grade credit, and, and those credit stories that actually as you move up both the credit curve and the cap stack are, are actually very interesting places to be allocating capital here. And in fact, I, I, I think hmm. you had uh, the kind of a, of a pullback that actually makes them interesting to buy again. 3.8 is where we closed yesterday. Bond market was closed today because of uh, Veterans Day, but did see a lot of buying on that inflation print. Meantime, we've all been talking about it. The U.S. dollar losing nearly 2% today, falling to its lowest level since mid-August. The chart master has been calling for this move since late September. Let's bring in Carter Worth of Worth Charting. So everyone wants to know whether the dollar has peaked and we continue to see it move south. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's been the long-awaited thing. Dollar too strong, dollar too strong, rates too high. When they break, the market can bounce. The market's bounce has happened, but the weak dollar and lower rates are ultimately bearish. Let's look at a few charts. So the beauty of this, of course, is it's a perfectly parallel, uh, mathematically uh, identical uh, two lines. And we know 
it's not PE and it's not balance of payments and it's not GDP. It is almost all technical that the dollar literally is responding like a pinball machine perfectly to those channels. No fundamentals at all. And that's what it was. Now, of course, we're down here. This is the before. Let's look at the next chart. What we've done, of course, is we've now cracked through the bottom. You can see it. We're way down here. The question is, how much more to go? First of all, I do not think this is bullish. The market's interpreting this bullish. I think it's actually the opposite. But let's look at the next chart and try to figure out where from here. Now, I've gone back further. That was a one-year chart. This is a two-year chart. You'll notice that, again, which is quite remarkable, on a different time frame, it's the same sequencing. And just remember, big currency desks, they don't trade GDP and balance of payments. They trade price action. And so now we're back to the upper band. But I think ultimately we can sink a little bit into the middle. And what that would be, take a look at the next chart and final chart, the middle band. So just as you get a big overshoot, doesn't mean we have to undershoot. But I think at a minimum, we are continuing lower and you will get down in toward the middle of this well-defined move basically since the lows. So here's what I don't understand. That, that's very bullish. But Carter. is it? Why? Be a weaker currency, lower rates. But that's the game of the stock market. We're going to change our, our, our DCF work for Apple and Google three years out because the cost of 10-year money is three or three, two or four. All of that's a game. It's just an elixir for the moment. A weaker currency and lower rates means that demand is off. That what do you mean it's taking like eight to 10 percent off of no. revenues for any cover? That's, that's a company. longer term thing. Right now it's being interpreted as bullish. But what it means is that, that something is weaker than basically, let's say, economists or the market is predicting, possibly a recession. Tim, help me out. <laughs> well, I, look, and Carter's charts always tell stories that, that are more than a thousand words. I, I just, the, the dollar represents central bank differentials right now. I mean, we, we've gone from a place where the Fed was the only central bank in town for a long time. Uh, Dixie goes to 113. Bank of Japan's been asleep at the switch. The move in the dollar is reflective of the ECB, which is 60% of the dollar index, uh, stepping up their game. And clearly we've had a Fed that's even told us in their last meeting. So to me, dollar uh, and central bank differentials are really what's driving the dollar here. And, and ultimately, I, I do think it is constructive, especially if you think that the opposite is a lot of this is not just central bank differentials, but it has been safety. And, and so um, I, I agree with Carter. I, I'm not getting lost here in, in constant currency you know, dynamics, or in other words, what the FX impact was. I don't really care about that. I, I actually think longer term, these multinationals, mm. I really care about their core business. And I'd rather look at, uh, again, constant currency and, and, and strip out your FX. Um, but I do think that the dollar move here is very important. I think it's very important both for sentiment. I think it's very important for a number of asset classes. Um, I think it's giving you some sense that the extremity of this move, um, is and, and here I was the one saying it's not over yet, but I, I think the, the thrust of the, the Federal Reserve being so far out in front of every other central bank in the world is ending. Right. We, we had a good debate about this last time I was here a few weeks ago, Tim, and you, and you said the dollar yep. is, has, is stopping going <laughs> up, and, and clearly that's what's happening now. I think it's Unclear a tailwind. That, that continues. It's a tailwind. Grasso, what about you? If, if, you, if, you, if you believed, Carter, that the chart indicates more weakness for the dollar, would, would you buy stocks on that? Because it's a risk, it's a risk yeah, so, barometer, it's, it's earnings indicator. There's a lot of headwinds that come from that strong dollar around the world. Yeah, so ultimately it could be, uh, you know, no notating a weaker economy or a recession. But to your point, a, strong, a stronger dollar and higher rates 
was weak for growth stocks. It was weak for the overall market. So the inverse should be at least short, shorter term positive for risk assets, positive for growth. So I'd be a buyer of the market based on what Carter just said. Yeah. Well, that was a good one, Carter. We'll see you for options action. Thank you very much, Carter Worth. When we come back, Intel shrugging off a double downgrade by a top analyst and locking in a nearly 8% gain for the week. Should the stock surge give the semi-bulls a reason to breathe more easily? We'll get some answers next. And then later on options action, is there magic left for Disney? Shares saw their biggest single day drop since 2001 earlier this week off earnings, but there may be a way to play the move for some profits. And there is some news that CNBC is reporting on Disney and hiring just in this late hour. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money, back in two minutes. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Look at the chip stocks keeping up the momentum in today's session. The SMH Semiconductor ETF up 15% since Monday, closing out its best week since October 2001. Even Intel was able to shake off a double downgrade from JP Morgan, which cut its rating on the stock from, uh, from over to underweight now. Analysts there are arguing it'll take years for Intel to regain the market share that it's lost to competitors as personal tech demand slows. The stock down as much as 3% at the lows, finished the day up more than 2%. A very strong showing from the chip stocks, Courtney. Are you a buyer? Because there were a lot of concerns about cyclicality and earnings in this group. There have been, yeah. And I do think um, this is likely one of the things where rising tide rises all boats, right? You're seeing this rotation into risk assets. I do think your semis are benefiting from that. And Intel specifically is up with the overall market. But a lot of those concerns about the slowdown in PCs and demands and how much they're going to need those chips moving forward has not gone away yet. I think that's likely going to continue to outweigh on Intel and how much their share is being taken from AMD. So I'm not a buyer of them yet. I do think they're starting to get more attractive, but they're still pretty expensive compared to the markets currently. AMD had a, had a, has a new chip out that, that analysts were very excited about today. Wedbush calling it the Domino's because it delivers. Jeff, are you into the semis? So, Sarah, there are some positive things going on. I mean, th I think the valuation certainly easier to defend at 15 times versus 26 or 27 times in the SMH. 
wherever it was at the top. But if you're trading this, I mean, a lot of the really important chip stocks are in clear downtrends and you're working on, you know, 40% rally for AMD, 50% rally for Nvidia. So this is very similar to what we what we saw in the summertime. Uh, clearly great businesses, yes. but as you alluded to, you know, there are issues with cyclicality. I think semi-demand probably contracts with falling demand for consumer electronics, which I think is going to happen as we move into 2023. So I think that you can buy them cheaper. And relative to a stock like Intel, just quickly, you know, manufacturing was their edge. That is gone. This is a stock that is down 60% from its high. And the PE is actually higher than it was at that point. So it just speaks to what's going on from a fundamental perspective with stock like Intel. Yeah, I guess not. People aren't excited yet, Grasso, about the CHIPS Act and the, the billions of dollars in subsidies these companies are going to get to reshore manufacturing because it'll take a while. Yeah, and also it's supply demand, right? These are commodities. So I've been negative on the chip space for quite some time now. And all, all of these, as Jeff just pointed out, uh, NVIDIA up 40% for the month. The best chart in the chip space is Texas Instruments. So it wasn't as beaten down. It's not in that overwhelmingly declining trend line that the rest of the space is in. But I do think that you're going to get a chance to buy them a lot cheaper than where they are now. We went from a supply drought to actually a glut in the next couple of months. I would stay away from it longer term. Got it. When we come back, a mega melt up. One of our traders called for this stock to rally in recent days. We're going to tell you what it is and what he's doing. There's the clue with it now. It's a he uh, with it up more than 20 percent in just one week. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. We are back right after a quick break. Welcome back to Fast Money on a Friday. Now for the big reveal, our chart of the week. It's Meta, up 24.5% since Monday for the stock's best week in almost a decade. Shares soaring after the company announced its biggest ever round of layoffs on Wednesday and keeping up the momentum amid the broader market rally. Steve, you called for a bounce earlier in the week. After what we've seen take place, do you take your profits and run or stick with it? Yeah, so when, when I'm looking at these, I, I'm a, I like to watch retracements, Sarah. I like to play uh, technicals on stocks. And this was just jumping out at me as a stock that had bottomed and wanted to retrace a lot of that downward move. The first initial retracement gets you to $115, which is what we've seen. And where people sell stocks is between the 50% and the 618. So not to get too wonky, you have about another five bucks. To the upside, risk reward, if you bought it this week, you could lighten up. I'm staying long my position. I think you're going to see this stock continue its rally with the rest of the market into year end. So we could probably get back to that 130, 135 mark, uh, in my opinion. Tim, do you agree or not so fast again? Well, I'll, I, yeah, I, I do because I'm long and I, I was buying in the 130s and, you know, I, I expect we're going to get back there and maybe that's a place to trade out of it. But the fundamentals I heard this week wasn't just about a, a $40 billion market cap gain by cutting 11 percent of your workforce. I, I heard a CEO that said not only my fault, but a CEO that I think will show uh, a lot more restraint on metaverse. And I've said this, I'll say it again. If they if they said no moss on metaverse right now, the stock would soar. I, I, I think, you know, they have significant OPEX attached to security and costs that have grown over the last few years, but they have major CapEx of 35 to 40 billion that I think that they could cut. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an interesting time to own the stock. Market, lo market loved that apology from Mark Zuckerberg. All right, it is time for our final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim, start with you. 
Yeah, I, look, I, I, as a longer term play and as an investor, Taiwan Semi is the most important chip company in the world. And it trades at the same multiple as Intel with a lot more growth. Nibble at this. And when you get an iPhone downgrade, that's when you buy this thing. Hmm. Grasso. Uh, this is another one that I think is primed for a big pop. Uh, Next Gen Energy, NXE, uranium play. It looks like this one could rally 15, 20% shortly, too. Did not see that coming, a uranium play. Jeff, what about you? So I've got Merck. Look for support at 95. That's that breakout level. I think it goes higher from there. Courtney? Uh, so two big things this week where we got some positive news out of China and a weakening dollar. Emerging markets can play that. BWO is a great way. Actually, Taiwan Semi is one of his largest holdings, Tim. There you go. That does it for me on Fast Money. Have a good weekend. But don't go anywhere, actually, because Options Action is next. Can't wait. Be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.